superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome. This welcome. is the Rich Eisen Show. Now. Oh, my God. You beat Ohio State last year. Oh, my God. Do you have the same drive to beat them this year? Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I can't even think about it. I'm jumping out of my skin over that possibility. The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show, ESPN NFL analyst Robert Griffin III. 49ers general manager John Lynch. Still to come. ESPN host and broadcaster Chris Fowler. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Can confirm, sources say, and now I'm on camera. It's confirmed. It's confirmed. <laughs> I'm here. That's the name of the show. I'm here. I've got a mug in front of me. Do you want to show them your feet? Well, that'll be later. I'm so... I'm wearing... <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm wearing Birkenstocks today. Okay, they're very nice. They're very nice footwear. Chris? <laughs> Okay. I just did that for TJ. <laughs> I, I mean, I never wear open toe here. Rich, you look like you're ready to part the Red Sea. Oh, great. That's all I'm Terrific. saying. Terrific. Terrific. <laughs> you know what it's called? It's called fashion, you morons. You walked, in, you walked in with those smelling like patchouli. It's called fashion. It's called fashion. Just because I'm branching <laughs> out doesn't mean I'm leaving you behind, okay? You understand? You're all coming with me to Roku. Rich, We're good. I'm not hating. You just take it down a notch. I'm not hating. Turn it back down to seven. <laughs> All right. I just did that for TJ. <laughs> Thank you. 844-204-RICH is the Rich number came here on this morning. We just hung out. With, <laughs> we just hung up from John Lynch. We just hung up from John Lynch. I, mean, I bet Fowler wears Birkenstock, so it's fine. Fowler is a very, very fashionable man, okay? And he's having a hell of a week. And in the middle of his hell of a week, he decided to say, yes, I will call in the Rich Eisen that's, Show. That's and why you we morons, love him. You morons have delayed me getting know, to him. I know, I He's on. He's waiting. All right. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Rich. No, he's, he's, he's one of my friends. He's, my, he's one of my best friends uh, from the Worldwide Leader in Sports back in the day. Um, and now he just, he just finished calling an incredible match uh, involving Serena Williams last night. And he's calling uh, Notre Dame versus Ohio State. I'm trying to give him the proper setup, and you've thrown me off my game. Chris Fowler here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Chris? You there, Chris? Despite my, my bolder roots, I cannot pull off Birkenstock. Oh, upset. So I don't, <laughs> I don't put them on. Uh, but hey, listen, I'm sure they look good on you. <laughs> Wait a minute. That sounded legit. Like, you really do think it looks good on me. Probably, right? 
I said, I'm sure they do. I can't see you at the moment. Okay, but understood. I, I'm sure you're pulling off the bullock. I, I just, I'm not a sandals guy. I'm not either. Don't wear them on a plane. Do me a favor. Oh, of course, no. On a plane please, please. for guys is a pet peeve. I don't, don't get me going on please. wearing flip-flops while flying. Chris, Xander, who you've known for all 14 years of his life the other day, uh, thought of putting on his sandals, open toe shoes, going to Angel Stadium the other night. I'm like, absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> we stopped him. I said, the toes must be closed if you're going to a baseball game. And he did. So we're all good. Too many years in Manhattan, the idea of walking around. That's true. I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't take the train in it. I wouldn't go in a cab in it. But I just needed to just get in my car real fast to get here. Okay. Okay. Right. Can we... I'm defensive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you. <laughs> Chris Fowler here on the Rich Eyes. All right. I, I'm going to make the uh, uh, awkward but still necessary segue here. Um you have called many matches at uh, the United States Open, and this is where does this rank? And I know they're just technically uh, two first uh, opening matches of this tournament, but the circumstances under which Serena Williams shows to this tournament and then wins the first two, where 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 does this rank for you, Chris? Well, unlike anything I've ever been a part of at a preliminary stage of any sports event, I. I you know, it's it's maybe maybe if you get the right matchup in a final, for example, when Serena's been in there, when Djokovic was going for the Grand Slam a year ago, you get that electricity. It felt like a final and opening night, and that's unheard of. There was such tension, anxiety, you know, people unsure whether or not Serena should even be playing. How is she going to look? And for five games, it looked pretty ugly. And then obviously she snapped back and turned it around. Wednesday last night was just a celebration. It was a whole different vibe. She came out. She answered some questions. The crowd wasn't nearly as anxious. And it was a performance that uh, I'll never forget. I mean, you got to remember, she's a month from being 41. She's a mm. mom. She's barely played in a year. She looked like all, all summer, like maybe she'd passed her expiration date. And you, you got to remember, this is Serena. So the regular rules don't apply, and she should never be doubted. But, Rich, that was, that was amazing. I called it with Chrissy Everett and John McEnroe, two legends. I, they were able to frame sort of what we were seeing really well. And mm. uh, it, it was it was pretty staggering. Her level of play in the third set after she got you know dusted off pretty good by Conovate in the second, you think, uh-oh, I don't know if she can – she's got it physically for this last set. And from the first point of the set, new energy, hitting the ball big, and the crowd was you know just came unhinged. It's funny you said this is Serena because when Mary Jo Fernandez asked her afterwards a legitimate question, are you surprising even yourself? She kind of gave her this look like you know I am Serena, you know, and it's just like okay, okay, like that was you know she she puffed up and she said what she said, and um, I can't wait to see where this goes. Where where do you think this can go, Chris? What I mean, think? she was fifty to one before the tournament to win the title. I don't think people realize that because they, they're used to seeing her there and, and assuming she's one of the top contenders. The odds makers made her the 23rd choice to win the women's title. You know, more than half the field wasn't even born when she turned pro. So obviously it, 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 it's an achievement. We haven't seen someone that age trying to compete. And if you saw the way she looked at Wimbledon and then in the summer when she sometimes looked like she didn't want to be out there, she wasn't moving very well, didn't look inspired. You didn't think this was possible. I mean, even the seasoned pros who know what it's like to try to get back into shape, to raise your level physically, were shocked by what they saw. So now she goes in as a favorite in the next round against Isla Tomlanovich, who's a very solid player um, and has a, has a skill set that can trouble a lot of people, but I don't know that she's mentally ready 
to face what she, what any opponent for Serena's got to face, and that's you can you can say, oh, I'm relaxed, I got nothing to lose, I'm going to enjoy the environment. No, you can't. That, that's not realistic when you get in the heat of battle. And, and Conovate, who's a very steady player, cracked late. She held up well for a while, but she cracked at the end. And I, I think that uh, Serena goes in as a favor on Friday. Um, Sunday would be tricky. If it's Samsonov is a, is a player that most people don't know about, but she's a Russian, very solid player. So it's going to get tougher. But uh, if you could beat the number two player with that kind of performance in the third set, yeah, people are beginning to wonder what's possible here. And then, of course, there's the New York crowd at the United States Open. And when they get behind one of the players, you're, you're playing against them, too. And that's what's so special in many different ways about the U.S. Open. When there is a fan favorite, a clear fan favorite, in front of the ash or the center court, if you will, crowd. I just remember in the what, what's now what uh, the, the used to be the Armstrong, right? Used to be the center court right. there. And when yep. I remember when Jimmy Connors at the end of his career was making some magical late runs and fist pumping in the same way that Tiger Woods did from the from the crowd last night. It, it's just there's nothing like it, man. And I imagine that's just going to keep building as long as Serena stays in this tournament, Chris Fowler. Yeah, Agassiz matches, you're exactly right. right. The old days in Armstrong, Jimmy, John to some degree, but, but Agassi and Arthur Ashe Stadium, when, when it was clear the end was near for him, and he, this, this is beginning to feel like that. Pete Sampras, of course, went out, retired after winning the U.S. Open in his last match, mm. but Pete, as great as he was, never commanded the, the electric crowd support that Serena does. I, I, I don't know where this is going. I, I think that it was interesting to see the, the atmosphere last night. They were beginning to cheer Conovate's faults, and they were beginning to boo electronic line calls, which can't be ever. Serena raises one finger. Ah, uh-uh, nope, nope, stop it. And they just got quiet. The command that she has over the crowd, she didn't want any unsportsmanlike behavior by the crowd toward her opponent. She didn't tolerate that. Amazing. Chris Fowler here on the Rich Eisen Show. So are you in New York now? Are you going to call that Friday or you're you're heading off to... No, I'm calling um, the Niles match tonight against Fanini, which is the nightcap, Mm -hmm. uh, taking a nap, and Mm -hmm. then getting on a plane to Columbus. I mean, Notre Dame, Ohio State is a monster game. Very excited for that. It's the ABC opener. So I do do not want to miss that, even for tennis. I'll, I'll be watching... Serena on Friday, hoping that okay. she can get through one more, so I can come back on Sunday. And we can keep the story going, but but no, I'm, I'm I'm hyped for this football game. It's it's yeah, the odds makers say the Buckeyes are, are going to win in a blowout, but you know it's who knows, and it's Notre Dame, Ohio State in the same field on a campus, which is very cool. Yeah, so uh, walk me through, break down your your Saturday gig for me with uh, Notre Dame at uh, at the Ohio State and Buckeyes, as you know well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a bad taste in the mouth the way the last season ended. I mean, the, the big house meltdown there um, has has colored the entire offseason. That's been the fuel for them. Uh, they did win the Rose Bowl in a shootout. I'm screening that game right now against Utah. Fun one to watch when they when they prevailed despite being shorthanded. But that that didn't do much to lessen the pain of losing to Michigan, and that's driven them. And they've obviously got you know C.J. Stroud and. Smith and Jigba and Travion Henderson, they've got kind of a triplets like the, the vintage Cowboys have that you rarely see in college football. And I think that the defense is, is going to be good enough because Ohio State could, could flirt with 50 points per game on offense this year. It's a serious challenge for Notre Dame's defense, um, which, which has Al Golden coming in as the new defensive coordinator. They're, they're a pretty experienced group, but they're going to have their hands full stopping Stroud and company. And I think that Notre Dame's chance is to try to score with Ohio State if they can. You know, shorten the game. 
um, run the ball, but, but they're going to have to score points to have, have any chance to hang with them. Well, and I spoke to Marcus Freeman uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I was you know, talking to him about how interesting it is that his first game um, as a regular season head coach uh, for Notre Dame is going to be against his alma mater in his old spot in the horseshoe. Uh, have you spoken to him about that? Because uh, he didn't really want to talk much about it months ago. I wonder how he is now on the, on the cusp of it. Chris. How funny you should ask that, Rich. Well, he's the first guest of the podcast, season five. So ah. the Marcus Freeman episode happens to be up on the, the Fowler Who You Got Who you available got? on all podcast platforms. Good, good timing for the promo there. Unintended, <laughs> but I appreciate it. All good. Now, we didn't speak a ton about the X's and O's. It's more about getting to know Freeman. His background's interesting. I, I covered him when he was an Ohio State linebacker, a really, really good player, and, and had his career, uh, his brief uh, attempt at the NFL cut short by an injury, and then got, got into coaching and you know, listen, he's an unusual hire, okay? One year at Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator, inherits the job when Brian Kelly leaves and the psyche is wounded and the players demand that he be given a chance and they hire him. And, and you know, he, he coached in the bowl game, which was a loss to Oklahoma State. But as you said, now the real tenure begins as a head coach with the toughest possible assignment. I, I think he's not shying away from predicting Notre Dame will win a national championship in the coming years. He's He's been pretty bold. I don't recall Kelly talking about that. He, he stepped out there. The players are talking about it. They're, they're not paying attention to the fact that no one's giving him a chance. But but Freeman has recruited extremely well. Um, whether or not this is a special team you know, remains to be seen. But, um, but yeah, he's a kind of guy, when you hear his background, you certainly root for him. Father of six kids. <laughs> and he and his wife are raising six mm. kids. Well, he's taken on massive responsibility at 36 it's it'll be a lot of eyes on him he's trying to deflect it as you do in that situation but um, eager to see you know how he navigates uh, the adversity because they'll face adversity on Saturday night for sure well I mean I'll be honest with you Chris you know me um, I don't know uh, who to root for or against in this game I'm going to be very <laughs> conflicted this entire time the two teams that I would You're love for are in the same camp on that one. I mean honestly if there is a sinkhole that could open up and, and swallow both uh, organizations I I, I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I might obviously wonder and, and be concerned of their uh, physical well-being, but other than that, I, I, I'm going to hope it. that it, a sinkhole doesn't swallow me up and everybody else with it. On the That's true. Stadium. That's true. Because I, I mean, that is that is just a, a fascinating spot. Uh, what do you think, Chris Fowler, of the fact that uh, I'm sitting in Big Ten country in Los Angeles? What do you think of that one, Chris? Yeah, that broke when I was over in Europe, and I started getting a bunch of messages. I don't know how to process it. You know. You were in Italy. I, I was definitely uh, mm-hmm. out of the loop and off the grid and trying to process that on a number of different levels. There's the football piece, which makes more sense than the other pieces. Um, obviously, as a Colorado graduate, I'm a little concerned about the rest of the Pac-12 and what that means going forward. Um, you know, to sit and whine about the erosion of traditions and, and, and talk about nostalgia is pointless in this sport. There's a lot of people who think the sport has totally lost its way and that people who are allegedly trying to lead it have lost their way. Um, I don't spend a ton of bandwidth on that because, you know, I'm, I'm there to call the game that's in front of me. I do think it's intriguing. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that USC going to the big house or the horseshoe or, or these Big Ten teams playing regular season games out, out at the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum, that, that, that's, that's cool. That's intriguing to me. makes no sense in the other sports besides football. But football dominates. It's about dollars. We know that. Um, it's, it's a couple of years before it's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, 
going to sit here and sound like a cranky old man about uh, the traditions of the sport. I, I, it, it is what it is, and it's it's, own, it's not going to change. It's going to accelerate. Chris, I think you're going to wind up calling three, if not four, college football playoff games in a year during your career. I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to end up calling what's going to be the equivalent of the Super Bowl in college football. I think that's the way this is going. I've spoken to Greg Sankey. We've got a standing invitation to – Mr. Warren or the Big Ten as well. Um, I, I so think, you think we have a Super Bowl now, though. Wouldn't you call? The, we the do. Game? We, I mean, it's a smaller bracket. That's but. what it is. But it, but what, the reason why I'm I'm terming it that here uh, is because we're going to have two conferences of about sixteen, if not sixteen, then maybe twenty or twenty-four teams each, and and that's why you should be concerned for Colorado because there is going to be a bunch of terrific programs like the ones that you've rooted for because you went there. They might not have a seat at the table, um, or they might be needing to come out of relegation to get into whatever conference. I really think that's the way this is going. It may take years for that to happen, but um, I think um, you know the worldwide leader will be at the forefront of it. Whether it's whether it's you know whether it's eight or twelve or sixteen, I mean that that's that's the only question. It's going to be expanded at the end of this current cycle, which means there's a few more years of it. But mm-hmm. but that's inevitable. Uh, I, I hope you're right. I hope if it expands, we continue to have a dominant position. Um, but but I think you have to consider two things. One, are you just going to keep adding games on to the end of the season and, and another layer and another layer? It's 15 games for the two teams that, that are playing in the championship game now. If you expand that, what is it going to be, game 17? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, if you're a player – you damn sure better think about coming after some of that money and yeah. not being content with NIL. If you're going to expand the playoff, it means a lot more money. It means it means. Uh, listen, we've seen Rich serious injuries at the end of the football season. That's inevitable. It's a part of the game. We get that, but you, you see, I, I, it feels to me like a disproportionate number of serious injuries. You know, late in the season, and people who are experts in this would tell you, yeah, the wear and tear, the fatigue, the intensity of these games all contribute to that. And I have my concerns. I mean, if you want to eliminate a regular season game, if you want to eliminate the conference championship games and, and, and pare down that piece of it uh, at the same time you expand the playoff, okay, that's a different equation. That makes more sense to me. If you're just going to add on games at the end of the season, another layer and another layer, and, and, and it, you're doing it for money under the veil of inclusion, which I think is a noble cause, inclusion is great, are you going to end up with any different four teams once you play it down to the semis than you have now? That's the question you have to answer because this sport is, is more top-heavy than it's ever been. It's more top-heavy than any sport except maybe the English Premier League, uh, and even that's opened up more. And the same teams are there all the time, and that's the problem. That's what's constricting the growth of the sport's popularity. It'll be cool to have more teams in playoff contention down the stretch, but if you go to an expanded format and you end up with Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, I mean the same teams in the semis, what have you what have you what have you really accomplished? You're not changing who wins the championship, you're just throwing another layer of playoffs and so teams can say, Hey, we made the playoff. Maybe so. I, I don't know. And, and it's interesting you say that, you know, players should want a piece of that money and it's more than just the NIL. You're right. I mean, if you take a look at the annual um, television packages, uh, yeah. big the Big Ten package that just got um, sold is right next to Major League Baseball's on the annual, like over a billion dollars. That's professional sports. That's it. I mean, we, and so at some point you have to call it what it is or what it looks like. Um, so, but in the meantime, though, I mean, 
games like Saturdays, I'm in. I am so in. I will be watching, and I can't wait to. Is it you and Herb Street as well? Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and Holly Rowe. I mean, it, it's cool because you got that game. You mm-hmm. got uh, Oregon taking a challenge of playing in the dog's backyard in Atlanta. That's a really cool afternoon mm-hmm. sort of special game. You got Utah and Florida, which Florida. is intriguing because a lot of people think Utah is a playoff team this year and, and clearly the best in, in the Pac-12 again. So yeah. it's pretty pretty damn good for an opening weekend. And I'm, I'm very cool that we get to have uh, you know the game in Columbus in prime time. Yeah, at Florida State against Brian Kelly's new family. Yep. Um, yep. We got that one? On Sunday, yeah. You know, yeah that's, that's a big weekend. That, it's a good, a good one. Okay, very good. I got that one in there. So Fowler, who you got? It's got Marcus Freeman as the first guest. Who else you got? Uh, yeah, Johnny Mac coming up, but we just taped oh, it. Yeah, yeah. John, John, we've been working on him a long time. It's not really about kind of like the best of tennis stuff. We talk a lot about his guitar playing and all these guys in bands that he knows with, jamming with Pearl Jam and the Eagles and the, the whole history of uh, just, you know, all the, all the personalities that gravitate toward the Johnny Mac experience and that he connects <laughs> with is, is what we spend a lot of time talking about. Michael Simon, who's a buddy of mine, a chef, you know, Mm-hmm. Iron Chef and the, and, and the Chew, he, he's uh, week two. So thank you for the plug. I, of course. You know how course. fun it is to, to talk with different folks, and I learn something every single episode. Follow who you got where all podcasts can be acquired. All right, so it's Nadal tonight, <laughs> then uh, then a flight, then a game of Notre Dame and Ohio State, and potentially Serena on Sunday. If she wins, you you go back, you're out, you go. I, li- I like the way I'm going to save the Open for the, throughout week two. Yeah, I, I don't do the second college football week because I, I, I love to stay in and so. I so, like the way you laid that out. That, it gets me. That's exciting. It is, man. It's a hell of a week. It's like that's 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 why you that's why you lift all them scripts. You know, I mean, like that's it. This is great. I, I can't when wait. You have your two favorite sports collide. You know, uh, for two weeks, and, and it, it is in the city where you've lived a long time. And as you, you talked about the energy, I mean, it's I'd be an idiot like to 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 let one minute of this go by without being you know grateful. And, and been present and just appreciative. You're the man, and you're great at it too, Chris. Best to Jennifer. You be well, sir. You take nice care. Attitude. Thanks for there anything. There's Chris Fowler, everybody. At CB Fowler on Twitter. I follow him. You should as well. And the Fowler, who you got? Marcus Freeman, then John McEnroe. I'll never forget John McEnroe. And I called a match, one U.S. Open on CBS, out there on the. Uh, in the grandstand of the U.S. Open, what a what a spot that is! It's Ash, and then right next to Ash is Louis Armstrong, which used yeah. to be the center, center court. Center court. Right. Now it's court two, yep. and then the grandstand. You got the outer courts, but the awesome. grandstand is like the Cameron Indoor tennis, where it's just one side of this uh, uh, of uh, of the court are fans, and the other side is what. Like the the six train, I think, is on the yes. other side of it, right? Yeah. Or, um, or the, yeah, that's the six train yeah. on the other side, and then the seven train out to uh, is that the seven? Whatever the one that John Rocker was on, that's the one. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the six. <laughs> okay, I think it's six. All right, and so oh, yeah, and then and then on on then on either end of the court, there's just a small amount of fans high up. All right, and high up was the was where I did the. Uh, the match, you're not center court on the grandstand. The booth is, in the, is on an end. Mm-hmm. And they sent me out there because the match was heading towards a fifth set and it was way better than whoever, I think, Agassi or Lindsey Davenport at the time was blowing out. I think she won that year. And so it was me 
and McEnroe. They took McEnroe out of Ash and stuck me with him out in the grandstand. And I called the fifth set tiebreak of, I believe it was Yuri Novak and Eunice Elenawi. Ooh, Rich. I believe that's what it was. I'm trying to remember if that was the matchup. And I just remember, they're like, get out there to the grandstand. That's where I, I did the, I read the wrong, uh, I, I, I messed with my producer, Bob's oh, Monsbach, no, doing the, the Pat Summerall Manhattan read over the blimp shot. And um, at any rate, long story, long, very long story short, McEnroe arrives after I started calling the first few points without him. First tennis I'd ever called live in my life. Dream come true. I'm at the grandstand of the U.S. Open in my hometown. Yes, Staten Island is New York City as much as Queens is. And uh, did I get the matchup right? Are you looking it up? I don't uh, know. If it was, you can't. You can't. I did the Open for three years. I think it was my first year, which is probably 03. 03 was you, because that was the year I was there. Yeah, you were doing it with Barkan on USA, right? Barkan on USA. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I was doing the US Open late night highlight show, yep. but on the weekends of Labor Day weekend, this upcoming weekend, I would sit around and I called a match if it went to a fifth set in the grandstand and if CBS was willing to take that match. And they did. They were, and it was me. And McEnroe shows up. And I think he said it on the air and not on a commercial break. He goes, "What is the guy on I love the 90s, 80s, and 70s doing and calling a tennis match. is what he said to me. <laughs> what was Reading the matchup the, again? Meaning the VH1 show that I was Great shows. on. What was the matchup again? What's the guy again? on I love the 80s and 90s doing here with me? I think he said it on the air even. And I knew that's when I was accepted by McEnroe that he was busting <laughs> my balls like that. Um, it might have been whatever the, the, the middle weekend was. Eunice Elenawi. And I think it was Yuri Novak. I okay. think that's who it was. Let's take a break. We'll have that information for you. I know you're all, you're all on the edge of your seats. We'll have that information for you right here on our YouTube stream, including Chris Brockman's latest burning questions about NFL teams when we come back. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Oh, back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Terrestrial Radio Outfit. NetSuite wants to know if you know your numbers in your business, because if you don't, you've got a poor visibility that could be very dangerous, certainly in these uncertain times in 2022. But not every business is in the dark about their numbers because 31,000, over 31,000 businesses 
Know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle, which is the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control control over your financials, planning, budgeting, and, of course, inventory. So you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. In 2022, profit's the new growth. So NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your annual manual business processes, and see where to save your money. Know your numbers, know your business, and get to know how NetSuite can be the source of truth for your entire company. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash richradio right now. netsuite.com slash richradio. netsuite.com slash richradio here on the program. Did I get it right, Chris? What are you, you? You did, Rich. Going uh, to break, talking thir- about my U.S. Third Open round, I-, I can't pronounce the... Yunus Elanawi. Oh, yeah. That guy. I believe he uh, was an Egyptian uh, tennis player, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, he's Moroccan. Moroccan. Okay. Close enough. Same con- uh, right continent, wrong pew. And then Novak. Yeah, they went, uh, they went five sets. Do you remember who won? Uh, I believe Novak won, correct? No, it was Eunice. The Eunice. No, Novak was up 2-1, and the other guy, the Moroccan dude, he won? won the last two <laughs> sets, fifth set tiebreaker, 7-5. The only reason why it was easy for me to remember his name at the time and whatever is, you know, there's that uh, World's Fair Fairgrounds yeah, that's outside globe, of the tennis center. That Anybody globe. who ever saw Men in Black, that was the end Ending. scene where the, the, the uh, spaceship. spaceship took off from the World's Fairgrounds yep. there. And there's there's a globe that's there for the World's Fair, and it's referred to as the Unisphere. So uh, we would yeah. show the Unisphere when <laughs> Eunice Elanawi was playing. It's just part of the turns of the phrase nice. that, uh, that I guess put me on the radar screen of CBS Sports once ESPN said, see ya. And that's why I wound up doing the U.S. Open for three years. And then NFL Network started covering yeah. the, the, the NFL more intensely at the beginning of seasons over and over again. So when I left for my third year of going to call games and events for the U.S. Open, Steve Bornstein, the head of NFL Network, said, enjoy your farewell to Flushing, buddy boy. That's <laughs> how he sent me out there for... Uh, Eunice lost for, into the quarterfinals that year. I wasn't calling that. That's when things... Quarterfinals, quarterfinals was Dick Enberg territory. Ooh, I, 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 only had, I only had a, a cup of coffee on... I was in case of emergency. Whenever a match might go five sets on a court other than Ash, I was on call. Like, get, get out there. So. 2003, the only uh, Grand Slam title for Andy Roddick. That's right. Wow. Beat Juan Carlos Ferrero that year. That's right. All right, Christopher, are you ready for your uh, burning, your latest burning questions? No. Brockman's burning questions. That's the fire. Very good. So you are ranking all NFL teams 32 up to one. You right. did 32 to 26 yesterday. Now you're doing 25 to 20. 25 to 21, Rich. 25 to 21. Five a day all the way up until Toe Meets Ball next Thursday, a week from today. Christopher, you have the floor. Hi, Rich. Pay close attention during this five because... The Jets are in it? Yes. Okay. All right, number 25, the Washington Commanders. My burning question for these guys is, it's pretty simple. Uh, How soon will Riverboat Ron turn to (laughs) Sam? That's it. That's it. You could say how will Carson Wentz fare in potentially his last foray as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I assume that he's going to fail. I I mean, that's sad. It's very super pessimistic. Damn. But but he's 0 for his last two. You know what I mean? 
since he, he had an MVP-type season before blowing out his knee out here in Los Angeles, and now he's 0 for 2. Uh, so how soon will Ron turn to Sam Howell? Because it's going to happen. Carson Wentz, back in the NFC East. Carson Wentz, after the Indianapolis Colts, told him, um, thanks for the memories. One and done him after they traded for him from Philadelphia. Man, Chase Young not being able to start the season healthy is absolutely crushing for that team. Yeah, that's huge. Um, but good news is Brian Robinson made the 53-man roster, so that it looks like whatever happened in his carjacking will not knock him out for this season. So, But it is a Carson Wentz uh, equation. And does 2 plus 2 equal 4 or 2 plus whatever equal Howell? That's the burning question. What else, Chris? Number 24? All right, number 24, the Carolina Panthers. Now, it could go in in many directions when talking about this team. I I could look at the health of Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, he's very important. Uh, Baker Mayfield, new spot, obviously. But look, I think it comes down to the head coach for me. How will Matt Rule handle the hot seat? Because he is definitely, without question, on the hot seat. He's got an owner who wants to win, and he wants to win yesterday. And so if this is now going to go south once more for Matt Rule, how will he handle that? If things do go in that direction, uh, can he basically – he's coaching for his job. So that's basically my point. There. Well, I guess um, the burning question that I would have plays into that is, is how will Baker Mayfield fare in his second act in Carolina? And will he perform so well there – that that's going to be his team moving forward. Is Carolina going to be his future home because he performs so well this year? But to me, the most burning question for that team, and again, it does play into how hot Matt Rule's seat could be, does Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? Will he stay healthy? That's the question. Because if he goes out again, and it's my man Chuba Hubbard, again, that gets the run there, um, and now... I think things go south because as well as Baker Mayfield might play and as much of the hold of the locker room he might take and whatever leadership skills he does uh, put on um, display at the rest of the locker room buys, I mean, McCaffrey gets hurt. That whole thing, I think, is just another non-playoff season in Carolina. That's the burning question for me there. Going down to 23. TJ, we talked about this uh, back in April. Who won the first round of the NFL draft? Oh, boy. All right, get to your Jets burning question. Go ahead. I'm going to say either the Eagles or the Jets. Yeah, so number 23 on my list is the New York Jets. Um, It's it's pretty simple, Rich. Will the talent all over the field translate to wins? That's That's it. That's really how it is. I guess. Because there is talent everywhere on this roster. This was respectful. I think you thought you were going to go at him. No, I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm didn't totally not going at, at you. I didn't this think is... that at all. And I think that is a great question. Yeah. Will the talent all over the field translate to wins? The talent over the field also includes their quarterback. Can he? St- I don't know. And the what... head coach. Yeah. Head coach is very talented as well. So yeah. I, that's just what I'm wondering. Because, I think that um... is a, uh, a spot-on burning question about the New York Jets. Will it translate to wins? And uh, I am... So not excited to see Joe Flacco week one against the Baltimore Ravens at all. I think they're going to eat him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and spit him out. I saw that horrible interception he threw in the preseason yeah. at the end of the. It's just like, not come good. on, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're in there instead of Mike White to avoid throws exactly like that. 
you're supposed to be the vet who throws it away, but maybe it's just a preseason game, and I'll I'll, I'll chalk it up to that. What's your next burning question? Uh, next who? is uh, not too far off in this division, Rich. The New England Patriots at 22, and it's uh, very simple. We've been talking about it for months and months with everyone who comes on. It's just, will this offense be able to score about 24 points a game to give the defense a chance? Are they going to be able to just put some points on the board? Because the defense should be, again, you know, at the upper half of the league. And it's just, can the offense keep pace? My question for you is 22, huh? You think you think the Patriots are that low on the list? Of- I, I think when I just look at the roster and the the... In you know the the new coaches and all you know everything that's kind of going on with them, I think twenty two is about right. Damn, you know, they have man. pretty long Super Bowl odds. I mean, they're down there forty to one, so it's not like Vegas thinks that they're among contenders. So I just think every team that I'm going to have ahead of them uh, would beat them straight up in a in a game. Okay, yeah. And number twenty one, I have the New Orleans Saints. Uh, New Orleans Saints. We know Jameis is back. Uh, Chris Olave in the draft, Alvin Kamara, they've got weapons all over the place. But I'm looking at Michael Thomas. Is Michael Thomas, we haven't seen him in two years, is he going to have the same chemistry with Jameis that he had with Drew Brees? I think that's going to be the key to kind of lo- mm. unlocking this offense. And if Jameis is going to be the long-term guy there, is he going to have a great season? Is he going to build off the, you know, what he did to start last year before he got injured? He's going to need, he's going to need can't guard Mike. And so are they going to have that chemistry? I, I, absolutely understand why you would want to focus on a player of Michael Thomas's caliber coming off of an injury and how his ability to return to form is a key for the team which it absolutely is and Jameis at the quarterback he he can have a much better season to have Michael Thomas can't guard Mike back but for me, the burning question of the New Orleans Saints is what does this team look like post-Sean Payton? I, 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 we've known one version of the New Orleans Saints since 2006. One version, and that's the one coached by Sean Payton, where he's just rolling dice, and he is brash, and he is leading his team from the offensive side of the ball on the field, and now you've got a coach who's a defensive-minded guy. I mean, Cameron, Cam Jordan came on a couple weeks ago, and he, I asked, what's the difference? He goes, well, when the defense wins a play in practice, we don't run it again. <laughs> when I asked him what the difference is between Dennis Allen and Sean Payton. That's so funny. That's what he basically said. It's just like, okay, we can move on. It's supposed to run it again. How does that all play out in-game, outside of game, after losses, leading into a week off a win, all of that. I'm just keen to see it because we haven't seen it since 2006. That's just one way we've known it. All right. Burning questions. There you go. Well done. There you Nicely go. done. There you the go. Saints down at 21. They're one of my, there's, they were number two on my top five sleeper team I mean, list. There's, there's a lot of good teams or in the three. league this year, man. There's a lot of good teams. All right, man. I'll tell you what, man. All right, let's take a break. When we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show... Otani homered, Judge didn't. Otani won the game last night with a homer, Judge didn't. So, uh, uh, and the, the Angels took two or three over the Yankees. So Otani's the MVP, Judge isn't. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say something about that. <laughs> That's next on the Rich Eisen show. Sound the trumpets! I'm coming out of the pen, <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> 
Uh, back here on our terrestrial radio no, outfit, I just talking about my open toe shoe choice today. I mean, we I, got people in Paris watching us, man. Looking I think at the your phone toes. lines are lighting up because you showed your feet. They are here green. we go. Come on, push it out. While we're on the subject of something here, that's upsetting me greatly. <laughs> upsetting me greatly. I can't believe you did that. Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. The guy can shut you out one night really good. and provide his own run support while doing so. He is a unicorn. That does not make him the most valuable player in the Major League Baseball circuit. Hey, welcome to my side of the argument. It does it. not. He's the most outstanding player. He does not. He's not the most valuable. I thought he was incredible last year, and I would have voted for him last year as well because we hadn't seen what he did before. And it deserved that last year, and I know Vlad deserved it. But Vlad, dude, the most valuable players last year for, for the American League were all on teams that weren't going to make the playoffs. So if, if we're all right, in on that... Correct. Then go ahead and give it to the guy who can pitch and hit. <laughs> Just because Otani hit his 30th home run last night and beat the Yankees on a three-run shot, taking Garrett Cole yard, and Judge didn't, does not mean that makes him above Judge the most valuable player. I am sorry. The Yankees are making the playoffs. Heaven forbid they don't make it as the division winner, which is entirely possible now because they just had their worst month of baseball since Stump freaking Merrill 91. in 91. I know. That's crazy. Okay. that they, they were the first team to 70 wins. They, only, they, they don't even have 80 right now. They had nine wins in August. Terrible. They are blowing their lead. They're only five up in the loss on the Rays, who they visit for three this weekend. But the Yankees are making the playoffs. And the reason why they're even here is because of Aaron Judge, who is the most valuable player in the American League, period, end of story, full stop. Full stop. Agreed. And while we're on the subject of Aaron Judge and things that piss me off. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. The whole thing that Yankees didn't sign him. Yankees left him unsigned going into the year, which means he's so upset at the Yankees, so angry at him that he's leading them where they're leading him, and he's the darling of the fan base, and he's the darling of that locker room. Better be the darling you're seeing, of the team you're, you're seeing everybody thinking, Judge is going to come to us, the Yankees are going to lose Aaron Judge. Hey, Met fans. Enjoy your trumpets and your polar bear and your DeGrom and all of that stuff because it is delightful and it is great. But hey, schmucko, who takes your hard-earned money and puts a judge name on the back of a Met jersey and shows up to a game? Schmucko. Schmucko. Schmuck on wheels, to use the phrase of Maury the Wigman from Goodfellas. What if his last name's Judge? You don't know, man. Mason yeah. Schmucko. You know, You're not getting him. He ain't coming. You're not getting him. Steve Cohen might have more money than God. He well, are he not but... getting him. Not happening. Told you, we're holding out for Otani. 
Okay, you can keep Judge. Fine. You can take him. Hold <laughs> oh, on, please. Oh. We will. You're not getting Aaron Judge. Multiple, apparently there's multiple Met fans wearing Judge. Imagine. You've got Alonzo. Yeah. You've got Diaz. Yeah. You've got DeGrom. You've got Scherzer. Yeah. McNeil may be their best hitter. He, he is our best hitter. Marte is delightful. Yeah, Marte's really the man. All of a sudden, Jack. you know. Yeah. If you're going to spend two bills on the jersey. Thumbs up on Lindor. You got many options. Vogelback is like a, <laughs> He's the king. He is a walking cartoon. <laughs> the American dream. He is, a fi- he is a fire hydrant with arms. He's like a baseball Frank Pollard. Right. He's he's like taking an eye black from his nose to the back of his earlobe. <laughs> well, I don't get that. Running one. around. You should see it. Do you see the way he puts oh, on eye black? Did, I thought, okay, that, uh, my mistake. I, Honestly. <laughs> He puts on eye black to a point where John Randall's saying, what's he doing? <laughs> John, John Randall. Yeah. So many options of your own. Stay out of my backyard. Judge ain't coming. Oh, Mr. Steve Cohen's going to pay all that money just because suddenly your owner isn't in debt up to his eyeballs. Yeah, swindled also. Swindled and that. up to debt in his eyeballs, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly everybody's in play for Met fans, like the nouveau riche. And to that point, Yankees. The Yankee? I saw, did you see this? The Yankees bought a piece of AC Milan. Did yeah. you see that? Yes. Oh, it's like LeBron and Drake? AC Milan. The Yankees bought a piece of AC Milan. Uh, Milan. For $1.2 billion. Don't tell me you don't have the money to make sure Judge winds up anywhere. That's why he's going to leave right but there. your own locker room. They could have paid him and they'd rather buy enough's a soccer enough. squad. He's the MVP. He will be a Yankee for life. He ain't going to be a Met Mason schmuck on wheels. Can you imagine you take your hard-earned money. And with all these incredible Mets for you to root for, and you're going to show up to try and troll Yankee fans in your own backyard. Just enjoy the trumpets and get a regular jersey. Damn. I would say your reaction to this is probably worth the two twenty that he spent on that jersey. Uh, I guess Mason's the one who put the photo out. Might not be the name of that schmuck on wheels. Yeah, Mason took the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Maury the Wigman, I think, was from Queens, right? Yes, wasn't he? he was in Queens. Yeah. Maury the Wigman might have been a Met fan. Yeah. Back in the day. Yep. Maury was rooting for Ed Cranepool. Dave Kingman. Dave Kingman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Rusty Stop. I've said my Rusty piece. I, yeah. that, that photo enraged me That's so. That's why I tweeted you immediately when I saw Man, it. Look at that. Look at this dude. Yeah. Look at that showing up. At least the other guy's got a can of jersey. Okay, that's another Met to root for. And there's a Lindor right yeah, there. Very good. Right. Judge, 99 Met jersey. What are you thinking? He's thinking, how could I get on the Rich Eyes and show up? Well, you made it. Angry. You made it. Congratulations. <laughs> What are you smoking, bro? Give me some. Thank you. Puff, puff, pass. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> All right, Alan Dallas, I got about 30 seconds for you. I knew that what my feet would get you calling. And what's up, pal? What do you got? Who let them dogs out? That's me. Who? Yes. Who? Who? A nice oh, Met reference, oh, too. Nice Baja Men Mets reference. Oh, Nicely done. Oh, my God. Thank you, sir. <laughs> John Rocker would love to see you on a seven train with those on. I can tell you that. Right? I would never wear them on a seven train. Al, Al, it was for convenience and comfort, not for the scorn of my friends. There's a lot of things for convenience and comfort. Doesn't mean we need to walk out of the house with them. True, not. You know? All right, Al. Thanks. Uh, for... Judge is the MVP, by the way. Thank you, so, sir. You know, I'm sorry. I got, got to you at the very end of the show. Thanks for the call, Al. There you go. That's right, Alan Al. Dallas. Amazing. I'm in it. Oh, my God. All I got to do is show my feet in the phone lines. I told you. Yeah. 
Kevin Hart is on Friday's edition of the Rich Eisen Show. And more. Stay tuned for that on Friday. I'm still here. Tom in Washington, we'll take your call. What's up, Tom? My eyes, Rich. What's up? My eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey, hey, hey. I got a pet Tom. Big Ten country now. Tom, you cannot I... disrespect yeah. Big Ten by sticking your Birkenstock clad feet mm. on top of the desk. That's going to visit so much bad karma <laughs> on the Big Ten and Michigan now. Uh-oh. I don't think it. so. I don't think so. You know why, Tom? I've got a very nice pedicure. I did this the right way. Oh. I did it all by the book. Okay? <laughs> I did. I did. I didn't show up with my feet, like, all sort of unwashed and <laughs> ugly. They're very, very nice-looking feet. I mean, I've already gotten a call. Wow. Hold on a minute. Rex in New York. You're on the Rich Eyes Show. No, he didn't call. What the hell's going Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. There we go. Uh, All right, I'm going to show up in regular shoes tomorrow. Oh, thank, oh, you. thank God. Well, thank your, your old dad hokas? <laughs> old dad hokas. By the way, hokas are not only fashionable, but you're the one who got up out of your seat. Oh, oh my God, I've been sitting around so long. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> I know. Suddenly I'm wearing I'm, hokas and pickleball, I'm and this... All right. You can I'm swear so, on YouTube, I'm Rich. So, uh, item. By the way, everyone's calling right now. Should we just take the rest Let's of Let's take this no. call real quick. We don't well, have to do this. Everyone's calling. I just, just... By the way, do we have to be off at 12? I mean, well, we've yeah, got we stuff, do. No, we're, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're testing. We've yeah, we we got, got stuff going on this Can you dig it? I can dig it. All right. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We'll see you on Friday.